So tonight, we are going to continue our study. Last week, as you remember, we met Jezebel. Yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all remember. Um, we met the, we met Ahab, and we met uh, his wife. Of course, her name means Baal is exalted. Um, she is, if you will, a priestess. A, a, you can consider her a witch, if you will, in some ways. But she promotes the worship. Um, not just promotes, she leads the worship of Baal in Israel. Amongst the people that belong to God, whom he led out of Egypt to give them a promised land. And she brings Baal worship in to a greater degree, as we saw last week. Um, we began to talk about that. Um, and as we continue to go through these chapters, we're going to find that not only is she going to cause the nation to begin to worship Baal, but she's going to not just persecute, but put to death the prophets of God. Um, and so we'll, we'll continue to see that. One of the things that we saw a lot of in the last few chapters is according, things happen according to the word of God. Y'all remember we talked about that last time, many times over um, chapter 15, verse 29, for instance, um, as well as in last week, verse uh, 34. So no matter what was going on in the nation, the nation divided, um, a lot of chaos to the north, but still things were happening according to the word of God, which brings us great peace. Because we look around and we see things that are happening um, over the last few years. A lot of things have happened in the world. And, and, and many of us have wondered, you know, where are we at? And the beautiful thing about it is no matter what we see, what we know is that everything is going to happen according to the word of God. Amen. At all times, it will happen according to the word of God, which is one of the reasons why we should study and understand um, the things that are going to be coming when, it, when you think about it from a prophetic standpoint, not to be prophecy buffs, but just to kind of have an idea of where we're headed because it, it continuously keeps our hope, if you will, sharp on the right thing. My hope is on the coming of the Lord, which, which makes it very difficult. Even though there are things that we can enjoy in our life, um, we still have a light touch on it because my hope is in the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. That's always the living hope, the blessed hope, um, all of that that we see throughout scripture. And so that's been a blessing. Now, as we go into chapter 17, I want to introduce you to one of my favorite people that we see throughout the Bible, and that is Elijah. Because in the midst of all of the chaos and the darkness, this guy shows up name Elijah um, notice in chapter 17 verse 1 and Elijah the Tishbite or the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord God of Israel lives stop there for a moment as soon as this dude shows up you got the northern kings they're killing each other and, and chaos and murder and strife and envy and plotting and all of that's happening and this man shows up and says, as the Lord lives. Um, so we got a man of God who shows up on the scene, even when difficulty is going on, even when there's chaos, this man shows up and he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, Israel's in idolatry. They're, they're worshiping Baal right now. And he says that, hey, you still belong to a God who loves you and he's about to deal with you. And that's really, really good. And so as the Lord God of Israel lives before, before whom I stand, 
there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word you know before I go for, forward it, it kind of speaks of the fact that even though they have fallen far away from God God has not given up on them even though they're in idolatry have ignored their God they are in complete utter sin yet God still loves them and is not done with them and still has promises and plans for them because he is a loving and a merciful God but he's got to deal with them amen and I love that right off the bat now Elijah his name means my God is Jehovah that's what his name means so when he shows up as they're worshiping Baal just his presence reminds us that my God is Jehovah not Baal my God is Jehovah, not Baal. We love that. Um, he is a Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. Scholars are back and forth as to what that actually means. Um, Tishbite, some believe that means, because in the definition of it, because of the history of it, that he was potentially a captive, which means that he possibly was not even Jewish. Some scholars are not sure if he was. Most likely he was, but he's of the inhabitants of Gilead. So he's west of the the Jordan if you will he comes from kind of a maybe a more obscure area a mountain region um, probably out as most of the prophets of God spent time kind of away so that they could be alone with the Lord but that's where he's from and so in all of this chaos this dude comes into Samaria to deliver God's word um, and I like that it kind of speaks to the fact as we're going to see throughout this these next chapters that God always has a remnant who worships and serves him no matter what the masses are doing and that's how God operates and we see that throughout all time almost in every region of the world in every society that God will have a remnant that loves him and is willing to serve him and point people back to him so we see that now we're going to see this gentleman this prophet throughout the rest of the Bible not just through uh, out first Kings but if you remember the Old Testament will end speaking of Elijah in fact, in Malachi 4, 5, which is the last book in the, in the Old Testament, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so the Old Testament closes with, with God promising to bring Elijah back again. That one phrase has in the New Testament, it has everybody waiting and looking for Elijah. You know, even even when Jesus was hanging on the cross and they, they said, is he crying for Elijah? Wait, let's see if Elijah's going to come. Y'all remember that? And all the way through, we see that. In fact, in Luke's gospel, chapter one, verse 16 through 17, when Gabriel, the angel, was talking to Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, he said in verse 17, he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the descendants, uh, oh, excuse me, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so he was saying that, hey, John the Baptist's life and ministry will be in the spirit of Elijah. That's big news. Because if, it's, if John the Baptist was coming in the spirit of Elijah, that speaks of the fact that this man showing up on the scene here gives us, if you will, kind of a pattern of something that God really likes. And that's somebody to come in a particular spirit that goes against the grain to be zealous for the Lord because when you kind of look at Elisha and John the Baptist they have a similar ministry they show up and they speak for God no matter what it costs they're zealous for him and they speak against the current uh, move of their generation 
you know Elijah doesn't give us prophecy like Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah of the future and of end times and all of that kind of stuff no he just shows up and he speaks truth to the people that were in his generation around him which is beautiful we also know that Elisha appears in a particular way in the New Testament if you remember Matthew 17 Mount Transfiguration it says and he was transfigured before them the Lord Jesus his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light and behold Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him and then Peter who always speaks before he thinks said to Jesus Lord it is good that we're here if you wish we can make three tabernacles one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah y'all know the rest of the story God said shut up Peter listen to you. listen to my son um, but I like the fact that even we see him here with Moses uh, Moses representing the law the deliverer of the law Elijah kind of represents the prophets if you will in a big way and they showed up to have a conversation with Jesus I believe um, in my own opinion about Jesus uh, plans in his death burial and resurrection and what that meant for the compartment where we call Abraham's bosom where the Old Testament saints were um, and so anyway that's just a that's another story but we see him all the way through many believe I'm one of them that Elijah is one of the two witnesses that appears in the book of Revelation along with the other one I believe being Moses because of the ministry that they have and so if that being the case this man Elijah who we now look at, look at shows up in his zealousness for the Lord and then we see him kind of stay on the scene back and forth throughout the rest of the scriptures and his life is a pattern he has a zeal for God and God only and that's what the Lord loves in fact as we go through the Old Testament when God says that a king did what was right in the sight of the Lord the only thing that we have found that is consistent is in that is that they didn't worship other gods and they were zealous for the Lord that's what we see um, no man is perfect so all of the kings of Judah and Israel were sinners but the ones that were good had a, had a zeal for God and for God only and they walked with him in the midst of their current generation um, and didn't turn away from their God and so that's beautiful so as we begin we look at this guy he's awesome in that way um, and we'll we'll continue in there if but but before I give him too much press remember what James said about him now remember what James said James said chapter 5 verse 17 in the New Testament he said Elijah was a man with a like nature of ours y'all remember that raise your hand if you remember that all right James Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months we'll talk about that in a moment and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced fruit he has a, a nature like ours he was just a man um, but he was a zealous man who prayed to the Lord um, and God used him mightily so this verse 1 Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead of kind of obscure don't know a lot about him um, doesn't seem like he was of necessarily the royal family some believe he was he was possibly a Levite um, the bottom line is that God used this man and it says he said to Ahab as we go through this we'll, we'll see that the word of the Lord comes to um, Elijah and then he goes and speaks 
So here it just abruptly says, this guy said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel is before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Um, remember, we quoted the New Testament. James said it was three years and six months. Now, I don't know if you can imagine three years and six months without dew or rain. I can barely think about that without rain. You know, three years and six months, no rain at all. That gets pretty rough after a while. If you if you ever been in a drought, and then Johnson County starts sending you messages on your on your phone about you know you can't water your lawn, you can't wash your car. Y'all know how they do. Um, but no dew. Did you hear what it said? No rain or dew. That's rough. That's real rough. Three years and six months. That means your your lawn is now dirt. <laughs> and he just shows up and he says that to them. Um, because of course they had turned away from God now we do know that according to I don't have these for you you can look at them in your own time uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 17 and Leviticus chapter 26 verse 19 in the law God stated that if Israel would turn from, from him this is one of the plagues this is one of the things one of the ways that he would judge them and so as Elijah de delivers this message to Ahab the king He's really delivering it according to the law, according to the word of God. And he's pronouncing this judgment upon them, which should signal to them that they've gone against God. But they are so far gone into idolatry, they don't even think about it. And so this is how he shows up on the scene, walking. Now, imagine this for a moment. At this point, Israel, they've got their palace there in Samaria. Um, history tells us that it was beautiful and decked out. Um, it would have been immaculate. Um, there probably were the prophets of Baal, as we're going to see as we go through the rest of the book. They were probably gathered there as well, a bunch of them. Um, and so this would have been a, a kind of a royal court happening, most likely, when he would have walked in and done this. Can you imagine walking into a royal court and pronouncing judgment? He could have died. They could have arrested him and executed him. But he just walked in boldly and did this. Verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to him. Um, this um, will happen throughout we'll see it over in verse 8 the word of the Lord came to him again um, we'll see it throughout as the word of the Lord comes to Elijah he performs it but the word of the Lord came to him saying get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith which flows into the Jordan and so after he delivers this bold message he walks out and the word of the Lord comes to him and tells him where to go hide, um, which is a very interesting thing. God used them to be bold. Now God's going to say, I need you to go hide because they're probably thinking, who is this dude? Arrest him so we can kill him. God delivers his message. Then he sends Elijah away to hide because God wants to preserve him as he's dealing with the nation. Um, and so he sends him east. Notice it's the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan and so eastward of the Jordan there's this brook notice he says and it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there and I'll come back to that so first of all this brook Cherith he delivers this message he's going to go and hide we know the drought lasts three years and six months so he's not going to come back and speak to Ahab again for three years and six months so we actually don't know technically how long he's going to be at this brook. 
this interesting thing about this brook in my opinion I call it the time by the brook because as I've been walking with the Lord now for 30 years there are times where God does certain things in our life and sometimes you got to go out by the brook now this this brook the word cherith it means cutting and it's only used in the whole Old Testament in this chapter it means cutting then in verse 9 he's going to say hey go go up here to Sarapath look over to verse 9 where he says um, go to Sarapath which belongs to Sidon y'all see that there and in the word Sarapath it actually means refinery and Sidon means hunting in the sense of catching fish so it's kind of interesting God sends him to these places um, so God look God is going to do some cutting on Elisha cutting some stuff away from him I believe then he's going to do some refining of Elijah and then he's going to call him to to catch or find out some things I believe because what's going to happen with Elijah next is once once this is done once these three years and six months are up he's got to go back and he's got to face the prophets of Baal and Jezebel and he's got to be prepared for that because Jezebel she ruthless we're going to find that out and he's going to have to do and we're going to see one of the most amazing scenes in the Old Testament and some things that this guy's going to do which is just going to really be beautiful to watch how he's in his zealousness and his obedience God uses him in a mighty way but in order for him to be used in that mighty way God had to do some things and so he sends him out by the brook imagine this for a moment He's going to go out by the brook. Let me read it. I'll come back. And so it says um, in verse 4, that you shall drink from the brook. I've commanded the ravens to feed you. Um, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherubim. We don't know how long, which flows into the Jordan. Notice the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now, I, can't, I can almost imagine he's traveling. God sends him out there. He camps out by this brook, and he's got fresh spring water. And in the morning and the evening, the birds show up, the ravens. Ravens are unclean bird. And they show up. God uses this unclean bird to deliver. You know, it's like DoorDash. <laughs> deliver to him bread and meat y'all see that right bread and meat and it must be good stuff because he's eating it I think about you all from New York if you if you walk away from your slice of pizza too long the pigeons are going to take your slice of pizza you know and so I can see this happening they just show up and put it there on the rock or something and he eats and this must be a time where there's just peace and refreshment he's by himself no distractions and God is beginning to do some stuff he's beginning to speak to Elijah there in ways that maybe we would never know until we get to heaven and talk to Elijah. We don't know what took place, but don't you know God is always working? Like God has never caused me to camp somewhere where he wasn't doing a new thing in my life, preparing me for something else that's ahead, giving me rest because we need rest. Um, and, and, and this causing me to be blessed maybe as I'm meditating on the word and I'm growing and, and, and I, I, I can name the places y'all where God has done this. Ocean View in Norfolk, Virginia. Back in Northampton County, 
with my grandfather then in Roanoke Rabbits where he was dealing with me there then back to Raleigh because I'm getting ready to get married living in this little room with my frat brothers trying to prepare myself for marriage uh, then moving me to Apex then finally to Clayton and there's always campsites there's always learning process how many of you have been to campsites before and miraculous things take place God speaks to you in a way that and that's what this speaks of these, this, this miraculous refreshment and provision from the Lord in a way that can't be explained you know those seasons when God is doing something in your life that you know it's God there's no other way it can be taking place but God is doing something special he's speaking he's preparing but we can miss those those, uh, those brooks of Cherith in our lives if we let ourselves get too distracted what is God doing in your life in this season um, then he's going to refine him when he goes over to where the widow is it's going to be some refining because it's going to be a little bit more difficult when he arrives there see he got refreshed to then go out by the widow where he's going to have to perform some miracles which is going to take all the faith that he can he can have and he has to have his heart and his mind completely focused on the Lord because it won't be like the brook the brook was a chill place to be imagine the brook you wake up in the morning and you just hear water and then the birds show up and they drop stuff off. Maybe there's a deer over there drinking by the water and it's just a peaceful scene and you're meditating on the word of God. Just a cool breeze comes through and it's like, Lord, this is perfect. I don't want to go back and deal with Jezebel. <laughs> I just want to stay here. I don't want to go back and deal with those crazy people worshiping Baal. But then he's got to leave and he's got to go and he's got to find a widow who's going through some difficult things and he's got to perform miracles because God sent him there and he's got to get ready. But you know there's a day coming when the word of the Lord will come and say, now I need you to go back and finish this ministry that I've called you to. And that's kind of what this thing is. And I think for us, we can't miss the fact that we're called by him for specific things in our life. And we need to be listening. Our life is not for us to just enjoy the stuff of the world. You know, that stuff's going to burn. It's, it's, it's fading away. The Bible says that. Don't love the world because the world is passing. It's fading away but stay close to the Lord what is God preparing you for you may not be able to answer that at this moment but I guarantee you it's something I look around this room I see people who were in trials before who are not in trials now I see people who didn't know what they were supposed to be doing before now they're serving the Lord in a particular ministry now okay so I already know he works in our lives and so we see this first now notice what he says so get away from here go eastward to the brook of Cherith a special place which flows into the Jordan and it will be that you shall drink from the brook notice what he says I have commanded the ravens to feed you there and this stuck out at me I'm sorry y'all I, I had to pause for a moment I have commanded the ravens I've commanded the ravens and look it doesn't stop there glance over at verse 9 again he's going to say hey I want you to go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon and dwell there see I have commanded a widow to provide for you you see that I've commanded the widow she don't even know she's been commanded in the spirit she was commanded if you had asked her she wouldn't have known what she was supposed to be doing so this is interesting to me God commands things he speaks to things he causes things to happen according to his plan for the individual person and the Bible says that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose how how does he do this well he controls creation look at it this way in Isaiah we find that he com he commands the clouds Isaiah chapter 5 verse 6 it says I will lay it waste it shall not be pruned or dug but there shall come 
up briars and thorns I also command the clouds that they rain that they rain no rain on it in other words God can speak to the clouds and no rain falls and then he can speak to the clouds and rains fall in Amos he commands the serpent Amos chapter 9 verse 3 it says and though they hid themselves on top of Carmel from there I will search and take them though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea from there notice I will command the serpent y'all see that I will command the serpent and it shall bite them whoa one of the ones I like different wording but Jonah chapter 1 verse 7 now the Lord had prepared a great, a great fish I love that Jonah is just taken off in the wrong direction and God prepared a fish God commands the clouds he commands the serpent here he commanded the ravens he spoke and the ravens miraculously are going to feed Elijah there are times when God will command things and ain't nothing anybody can do to stop it there are times when he commands certain seasons and things to happen in your life in my life and there's nothing that can change those things I like the power of God showing up he's in control I just want to see how he works but he's in control of your life and everything that goes on in your life because you belong to him I love this so he speaks I've commanded the ravens to feed you so again verse 5 Elijah went he was obedient stayed at the brook Cherubeth which flows into Jordan the ravens brought the bread and the meat notice it was in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook he was refreshed he was strengthened he needed strength for all the things that were going to come it's very interesting to me that God gave him two meals a day I don't know why we Americans think we're supposed to have three meals a day. It's actually better to have two because your body needs that 12-hour period to rest. The digestive system needs to do its job and then chill out for a while. But our problem is we're snacking all day long. It, it don't never get a break, you know. You never, body's always working. And just uh, Anyway, that was a side note. Don't worry about it. You can do what you want to do with it. But morning and evening he had food from the Lord that the ravens brought and verse 7 it says and it happened after a while notice that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land that's a very interesting comment now we again we don't know exactly how long he stayed at the brook we know the drought was three years and six months but the interesting thing here is that the brook drying up I believe was a hint to Elijah that it was time to move on because the only reason it dried up is because of the drought and the only reason there's a drought is because the word of the Lord came to him to pronounce a drought and this is a reminder that hey there's still work to be done you got ministry to finish because remember the word was there should be no rain or dew except by my word so it can't rain again until Elijah finishes that part of his ministry and it's a reminder of those things because sometimes the brook man the brook can become comfortable and you don't want to leave has a God ever put you somewhere where you're like, man, I could just camp out here forever. You know, my dream is a, is a cabin in the woods, wood stove, dog, shotgun, maybe some solar panels, a well off the grid. I ain't got to see nobody. <laughs> it's just, just a Bible and a, and a, and a fire. You, just, you know, um, but I know I can't have that except for, you know, little breaks because God has called me to something. And he and I talk about this sometimes. Like, I didn't call you to live isolated in the woods. 
maybe I can get a campsite like the brook, but I always got to go, always got to go back and finish the work because the rest is in heaven. Amen. And so it's a reminder. Hey, you can't just camp out here by the brook, Elijah. You got stuff to do. So verse eight, the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon and dwell there. Notice I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now he's going to go and he's going to come across this widow I don't believe that she understood that she was commanded to provide for Elijah. And that's really not the point. I think that this widow is just a servant of the Lord. So therefore, she's ready to serve. And what we're going to find is that she's going to have to, in faith, serve Elijah. And Elijah is going to, if you will, use the gifts God has given him and the faith that God has put in him to be a blessing to her. And you're going to see this mutual thing as God brings these two people together because there's times when God brings people in your life and across your path for things to happen. So verse 10, it says, and she arose, he arose, excuse me, and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. I've said this many times. I don't believe in coincidences nor chance occurrences. I never do. Not when you're walking with the Lord. Because he's always trying to do something in our lives. I mean, we're not just haphazardly walking through life and stuff just happens and it's coincidence. I gave him up on that a long time ago. So now when something seems odd, I'm like, okay, what you doing, Lord? Why am I having this conversation? What am I supposed to hear or what am I supposed to say? You know, and a lot of times it's mutual. I'm I'm giving and receiving in those conversations. And that's what we see here. And so she's picking up sticks, as we're going to see. Why is she picking up sticks? Well, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, notice that. She's a servant of the Lord, y'all. She ain't arguing with Elijah. Does she realize he's a prophet? Maybe, maybe not. She's something about him she understands. And so she's going to serve and get this man a, a drink. And we're going to see where her state is. Verse 11. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, hey, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord, your God lives. So she realizes that he's a man of God. Notice she says, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And she wasn't saying they were going to die immediately, but she's saying that we're out of supplies. We're starving. The writing's on the wall. And so I'm just, what I got, I'm just trying to prepare a little meal for my son and I. She's picking up sticks, probably just some, some part of what grows that's left that she can grab a little bit and make, make some type of meal. And, and she says this to him, and she says, I don't have anything. At the same time, she's got hope, and she's willing to serve. And that's something that I see here. She's got hope, and she's willing to serve God, even in her difficulty. Even in her difficulty, she's willing to go get uh, some water. And even in her difficulty, she's respectful of the man of God. And she says, hey, this is all we got. In faith, in Elisha's faith, notice what he says. Do not fear, verse 13. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. Here it is. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, 
I love that phrase. Israel's worshiping Baal. But thus says the Lord God of Israel, because God doesn't change and he's faithful. Notice he says this, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so he makes this statement. This woman who thinks her life is over, she and her son are going to, they, they can't, they can't support themselves. But she's willing to serve the Lord and be respectful of the man and the people of God, the prophets of God. And God has prepared her heart to provide for Elijah. But even though she doesn't even think she's got the provision to provide for herself. Can you imagine that? Wait a minute. God says, I've commanded her to provide for you. And she don't even think she has anything to give. You ever felt like you have nothing left? But God has already commanded for you to do amazing things with what you have, which you don't even think is enough to do anything. And, and to, so Elijah speaks the word of God. Your food that you have will not run out until God has done an amazing work. And guess what? It's going to last until God brings rain. And then when it brings rain, there's going to be food. Amen. And so this whole scene, it's amazing. God brings these two people across each other's path to do some amazing things. And he's got plans beyond what either one of them really can imagine. And yet he's orchestrating all that. I hope you're getting encouraged. Because I think that we forget that God sees our state. I think God, you know, when I go through the New Testament, the thing that moves Jesus the most is people who believe and have faith. And a mighty God. And when you look back over your walk with him, has he ever, ever truly left you to fend for yourself and let you down and failed. He may not have done things exactly the way you wanted him to, but has he failed you? No, we can't find that testimony. We can't find that testimony. Or maybe you lost someone and he didn't heal them. Yeah, but, you know, are they with him? You know, there are things. So we have to take that into consideration. And so that's what we're seeing in this state. So he says, hey, don't worry about it. God has it. So she believes, verse 15. Why do I know that? Because it says, so she went her way and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate how long many days we don't know the total but many days and in verse 16 the bin of flour was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah um now this is a miracle I think that goes on a lot we miss it most of the time because we don't we don't pay enough attention to what God is doing their thing I told you Sunday how God can give you a, a fresh set of eyes on your budget and you find stuff that you didn't think was in there you know I've talked talk about that but I believe that if we really sat and thought about what God is doing there are things that don't happen that should happen there are times when things don't wear out there are times when he calls the stuff to run longer than it should run. Um, and I can tell you stories about that in the church. And some of you are new to the church. I'll tell you, there was this old blue van we had when the church first started. We used that van to um, load up all the chairs and the, in the, in the, um, the music stands. I'm glad we got rid of those. The music stands and all that stuff. And we would load it up in that blue van. It was an old blue van that this couple just let the church use it. And so we were at kids or kids. We didn't have our own church building. So every week the van would show up, pull in front of the little, under the little canopy and everybody would go out, even the kids and grab chairs and stuff and bring them in, set them up. We would have our Bible study. Okay. We did that for a while. So eventually the owner of the daycare let us 
put some storage buildings behind there so we could store that stuff so we wouldn't have to do that every week and, and, and whatnot. So we, 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 we bought the uh, storage buildings. Some guys from the church came and we, we put those things together and got them out there. And so that last time we had to unload the van, everybody was excited. So because after that service, we put all the stuff in the storage buildings. So that couple drove that van home and when they got it home, the next time they went out, it wouldn't even crank. And the dang just never ran again. <laughs> and it wasn't like it was a long time they went right out you know days later week later it didn't crank anymore because God didn't need the van anymore interesting um, the first Easter service we had at kids or kids we um, we had probably twice the amount of people show up that we were expecting I think we had maybe cooked one turkey two turkeys I don't know how many turkeys it was where's Trevor I just saw Trevor's face how many turkeys I see Trevor where's Trevor wait two turkeys maybe two turkeys for 130 people now we do two turkeys at my house for Thanksgiving for like 30 people two turkeys for 130 people still don't understand how everybody ate turkey that doesn't make sense something ain't right and you can ask, and, and if you don't believe you think I'm lying Trevor's back there you can ask Susan she was in charge of the food that day Susan Vaughn and she came to me with this weird look on her face. It's like, we got way more people than I thought. She comes back to me. It's like, everybody's eating. You know, I was like, well, praise God, you know. <laughs> um, and we've just seen a lot of things like that happen through the years. And then people who would be praying to God for something they need because they didn't have something. And then they show up and then somebody would give them the thing that they were praying for because they were in need, somebody from the church. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, man, you know, it's amazing that God wants to work in our lives. I think we don't always pay attention to it. Um, of course, this is a miracle, but I, I, I want to give God credit that sometimes we think he's not doing miracles, but he still is. We just can't see it because we're so distracted by so many other things. If you, if you would really take inventory at the end of your days and you would pray, you would realize, I mean, there were times, I rem and I want to go through all these stories. I remember I'm driving to Norfolk. I'm out on 64. Um, it was a rainstorm. And I felt like that, you know, I was worshiping. I just felt like the presence of the Holy Spirit. You ever feel like the presence of the Holy Spirit is just right there? And I'm driving and I'm praying and having a one and a hydroplane. And I 360. And both of my tires stop on the white line facing the wrong direction, though. But and, and, and it was a bunch of people on the road at the time as I was praying and worshiping the Lord. And then all of a sudden this happens, but there's nobody out there but me now all of a sudden. And I hydroplane, I spin around three, and, and I'm three, I'm facing the wrong way, but there's nobody coming. And I'm right at the edge. And I look out my window and I look at this deep embankment drop off into water. And I guarantee you, angels must have stopped my truck right there. I looked down and I went right back to praising the Lord. <laughs> like, even more, Lord, thank you. You know, and I'm just like, man, and I just praise him the rest. I slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> but I just praise him the rest of the way into Norfolk, Virginia. And I'm just like over and over and over. I like to take inventory, man. I know God showed up that day. Because I could have been down there and nobody would have known I was there down in the water, drowning or something. You know, God is good. And so we think about these things. And so she did as he said. She went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household, many days they ate. She thought they were going to die. And they eating every day now. Just, and just provided for by the Lord and the stuff she had did not run out. These are the kind of things that God does. You know, I remember, you know, the children of Israel, 40 years in the wilderness with the same clothes. Y'all know the stories. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. 
It's amazing. And so in verse 17, as we continue, Elijah is in that place of refining now, I believe. He's going to get faced with a big trial. Notice it says, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman it says here that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him and so she said to Elijah what what have I to do with you O man of God have you come to me to bring my sins to remembrance and to kill my son she's thinking that you know now she's getting something because of her sins we don't know the story of her life and he said to her give me your son he didn't hesitate just see the faith he's walking in give me your son so he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed notice then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And as he stretched him out on, excuse me, and he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him and then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother and Elijah said see your son lives and then the woman said to Elijah now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true and so here, you know, the first time he was able to say to her, look, the word of the Lord, God said, your stuff ain't gonna run out. This one he wasn't expecting. God hadn't said anything to him. The child dies. And this one challenges, I believe, as you see Elijah crying out to the Lord, it challenges him in his faith. It's a place of refining. And sometimes refining is challenging your faith in ways that you haven't been challenged before. And, and I, quite frankly, that's how we grow we don't like that but that's how we grow and that's why I think he's going through this this place of refining um, this is where he had to trust the Lord to a higher degree and he cried out to him not knowing what the Lord was going to do but by faith he cried out to him and obviously God healed the boy and uh, God blessed the woman uh, who Elijah was stand with and we see this and it's an amazing thing for us to witness uh, as Elijah praise over him he comes back to life and and this example of Elijah we see it in the life Elijah we see it in the life of Elisha we even see it in the life of Peter in the New Testament with Dorcas y'all remember that they call Peter she's this wonderful woman has passed Peter look what she knitted for my she made all this stuff for us she was an awesome woman of God and she passed and he goes up and he prays over and she comes back to life y'all remember that I imagine he was thinking about not just Elijah's story but also when he went in with Jesus to heal the uh the ruler of the synagogue's daughter who had passed but these stories that were even even in the hearts of people who performed similar men, uh, miracles later on but this was a stretching for Elijah this was a refining period in Elijah's life 
Um, and then as we see in verse 24, the interesting thing is she says, well, now I believe that what you say is the word of God. Well, you should have believed when the stuff wasn't running out. <laughs> you know, you should have been believing when, when, when you said, hey, we about to die. All I got, you know, is a few things to put with these sticks and that's it. And then she, they ate for many, many, many days, but sometimes people are that way. Um, but now she believes her life has been impacted by Elisha there uh, at Zarephath. God has done an amazing thing through Elisha. He's, he's, uh, he gave him rest. He provided for him. He strengthened him. He spoke to him in ways we probably will never even know because there's times in life where God is doing that. And then he put him in another situation where he had to be refined in his faith, I believe. And those are two areas that I've experienced even in my own life. You probably have, and if you haven't, you're going to. And all of that was to be able to prepare him for the things that were next for Elijah because as we go into chapter 18 next week we can even look ahead where it says in verse 1 and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth and now Elijah is prepared for this because not only is rain going to come Elijah is going to do battle with 450 false prophets prophets of Baal and he's going to have to deal with Jezebel and he's got to face some serious trials um, and God has prepared him for those trials I saw God bring some a little boy back to life you know I saw God cause this woman's provisions to not run out and I've seen God working you know and so he's, he's got him ready to go and deal with these things and I pray that as you're as we're going through this and you're seeing these things look the Old Testament is written as an example in context God is dealing with Israel but as God is dealing with Israel, he's working in this man's life. But he worked in that widow's life. You know, not only that, we're going to see that there are other prophets of God that we're going to get into that are not just Elijah, who God is preserving them and working in their life. We're going to see that. And then God is also going to speak to an entire nation through this faithful man as he's following the Lord. And in all of that, what we see is that God is working throughout the whole thing. Y'all see that? It's amazing. This powerful, all-knowing God can be working on nations a whole world at one time and still be dealing with you preparing you for what he's got for you isn't that amazing I'm so thankful that he's a big powerful God but he cares about each one of us and he's working in each one of our lives in different ways he's got you in different seasons you may be in Cherubeth and you may be in Zarephath either way it doesn't matter he's working and he's faithful and he won't stop until it's all done. And he gets the final say. And we put our mouth on things that we have no say over. We look at somebody and we, and we think that their life is a mess and they're falling away and they ain't going to be able to, they, they're done. Says who? God's the, look, I like Paul, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, I don't even judge myself. We don't know nothing until the Lord shows up and settles the whole matter and brings everything to life because this other person looks like they're spiritual giant and they're doing well and we can't even see the struggles and the sin that they may be dealing with and then this broken person over here like the two people that went in to pray and, and this, this, this Pharisee talking about I'm glad I'm this and I'm that and I'm, that. I'm not like this little old tax collector and the little tax collector said Lord have mercy on me a sinner you know so what's the end of the story well Jesus will bring that to light when he shows up Right now, like we learned on Sunday, we need to be reverent always. And, 
and, and, and have our hearts before the Lord and be zealous for him that he may work in, and, and lift everybody up in prayer constantly that God may also work in each one of our lives. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He loves. He's merciful. He's gracious. He can restore. He can redeem. And he can refresh you. He can pour the power of the Holy Spirit out upon you anew on any given day and change everything. We have to rely on him. He is our complete source of life. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you tonight for being here with us and for your great love and mercy and power. I pray that you would, Lord, Lord, see each one of us where we are, Lord God. Show us the things that you have for us, just step by step, Lord. We don't even have to know the whole picture because we know in your word, it tells us that the end result is going to be good. We are thankful for that. Lord, work in us, prepare us, strengthen us, Lord. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.